0: On this week's episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast, Oscar-winning actor Javier Bardem and film critic Mike Sargent. Welcome to episode 105 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a U.S. Latino show dedicated to pop culture but with a Hispanic twist. I am your host, Jack Rico, and if this is your first time listening, thank you for discovering us. All right, guys. One of the best actors of our generation. Javier Bardem is on my show this week, and we had a pretty honest conversation about an array of subjects, including the moments on set where his acting just sucked and what he did to overcome it. Uh, He talked about working with his wife, Penelope Cruz, by the way, unsolicited and which he rarely brings up. Uh, and he also gave me this incredible insight on what actors need to do to give the best performance of their life and what alfonso cuarón said to him when he asked them why they haven't worked together yet it's very funny the way he tells it you're gonna get a kick out of that and my good friend and film critic mike Sargent and i debate who will win at the oscars this sunday we've been waiting for a long time we've been talking about it for a long time this is it um, we also talked about what they need to improve their poor ratings and why no one really wanted to host the Oscars this year. I begin with Javier Bardem. So Hola Javier, how are you?
1: How are you? Good, how are you?
0: Let's begin with the, the interview with the following question. How would you describe Everybody Knows for people who are interested in seeing it this weekend?
2: I will describe it as two things in one. One, there is a thriller in it that is going to keep you at the edge of the seat because the way it's done is very unorthodox is not an unorthodox way. It's very organic and very realistically done, so really makes you wonder what is going on because you don't quite get what happened and who made that thing happen. And at the same time, you are discovering a full world of uh, people going through very powerful emotions and sensations among each other because they have to face the truth. And we know that facing or saying the truth or being told the truth is not an easy thing to do. And that's what happened. And, and it's, it's I think it's a movie that really keeps you thinking after you see it about many, many things.
0: It's definitely thought-provoking, the film. Now, uh, explain to us your character. How would you describe him?
2: I describe him as a man who really sacrificed everything he does, everything he has and he is for an emotional instinct, for a pure, deep instinct. He's not sure, he doesn't know. Not everybody knows, because he doesn't. But he has a feeling, and he wants to be, uh, he wants to follow that that feeling, that instinct. So, in a way, he's a hero and a victim. And, hmm. and what it is for sure, it's uh, a person who really does an ultimate act of pure love for something and for someone.
0: In, in most of your career, you've become a master actor in empathy and you can even uh, unearth extreme menace in your characters. How did you go about mm-hmm. such a complicated character? How do you prepare for something like that? Are you with your family, hanging out with your friends, and all of a sudden, the next day you just walk into setting, you know what to do? Or is there a, se- is there a <laughs> type of preparation that you do that you go guys I'm turning off the phone I'm not meeting with any friends for a while this character is so complex I'm going to have to lose myself for a month and then go on set and then method act what is your process with complicated characters like this
2: one? I think it's that's a great question I think it's a little bit of both it's like it's like yourself when you have to write an important demanding (sighs) powerful article, article, I'm sure. It's like, shit, I have to focus. I have to focus, I have to, (laughs) I have to really put myself available for what it needs to be done. But at the same time, life is there. Life is out there. I don't know if you have family, they are not waiting, they want to see dad. And they don't Mm -hmm. give a shit about what dad is doing for a living. They just want dad to be dad. And dad has to be there. So, and that's the beauty of it. And, and, and that was, by the way, keeps you sane. Mm. And so, yeah, in, in a way you go, okay, how do I uh, compartmentalize, compartmentalize uh, the time and the effort of being able to be a normal human being on a normal day basis, and at the same time a crazy freak that has to create this imaginary world that doesn't exist but within my mind <laughs> and that I had to give uh, a way out through my emotions. And then you you find it. You find it in the way mm. you can. Some days you find it better. Some days you don't. And the come and I still rolls And you go, fuck, I don't have it at that's all. Right. And, and some other days, yes, you are with your friends and you're with your family. And all of a sudden, there's something that comes to you and you go, wow, that's it and you jump into it and all of a sudden it takes you. So it's life. There's, I don't think there's one thing or the other. It's like everything.
0: Right, so it sounds almost like you have to wait for that moment of inspiration to fully grasp the character, correct?
2: Totally, and I think in any other artistic discipline like writing yourself or painting, music, acting, directing, sculpting, uh, I think it always comes when one, oneself, takes himself out of the equation. Like we're so worried about what we are, what we do, how are we gonna do it, how are we going to proceed, how are we going to be perceived, blah, 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 but it's all about fucking us. Right. And, and then we don't let the message, the energy, the whatever it is, call it whatever you want it to call, uh, express. Because we are only expressing our desire to be applauded or liked or recognized or loved. And then that is in the middle of what is a real creation, which is something that is totally beyond our control. Right. But once the ones that can really achieve that are the ones who are so prepared technically and emotionally and intellectually to put himself put themselves out of the equation that the real thing that they are taken by the real thing. And that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Uh,
0: I was emotionally exhausted as a viewer after watching the film. I'm sure you were too. How do you disconnect and not bring back the character's emotional exhaustion into your real life? Is it a day? Is Just snap your fingers and it happens or does it take a while before you get back to normal?
2: Well, for example, in this particular movie I think Penelope did the hardest job of of us all, which is to maintain that level of anxiety and anguish for four months, uh every day. So yeah, I know because I saw how hard for her was some days more than others, but also thank God we have a blessed life, we have a beautiful family, we have a life we we can provide for our family, we have a job that we can make a living out of it, and we are very aware of that. we don't live out in the fucking clouds we We know how the world is, how the world is constructed, and how blessed and lucky we are so so when we come to our reality, we are very aware of the great situation we are because what we are creating it's only fiction. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yes. When others are going for through those things for real. So just that, only that puts you right away in the present. Like wow. Uh that being said, yes, there are days easier than others. Uh but most of the time it's not something that you feel. It's something that people from the outside uh, feel that you're going through Mm. like i remember when i was doing loving pablo i didn't feel i was doing anything extraordinary after the shoot but the people around me including my family or penelope were like easy 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 with the demanding with the demands easy with the voice easy with with the with the anxiety with with the with the power with the power of the voice, the body, the and And I didn't feel I was doing it, but it, you're taken by it. You're taken so by it because you're putting your body and your whole into that energy. So, of course, that energy comes into yourself and it stays with you a while. And after I did beautiful from Inaritu, it took me a good while to leave that character behind because it was a long shoot about paying a patient with with cancer, terminal cancer, of course, of course, when you finish, you need to lie down and breathe and remind yourself that it's only a lie, a big constructed
0: (laughs) lie. Right. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. You talked about loving Pablo. Now everybody knows. And I was wondering when you and Penelope are cast in the movie together, are you both looking to work together? Um, because it's work and family and you can spend time together? Or is it coincidence that someone's hiring Penelope for this movie and then you're brought in because you just happen to be the best person for the role? Which one is it?
2: I think it is coincidence for sure. Uh, it was coincidence for Oscar and it was coincidence for all the rest except one, in Pablo, which I was a producer. <laughs> and mm. I said, you are make it. <laughs> And you are going to be paid the same I'm going to be paid. I'm a strong believer in that, (laughs) which is almost nothing, by the way. (laughs) And and we both are going to be fine with that because at least we're going to be together with the kids. Um, Because I knew she was perfect for that role. But no, it happens to be a coincidence. And let me tell you, we really take it seriously. We sit down and we give it a big thought about it because it means a lot to us. It means... In one way, it's easier because the kids, the family is together. Uh, in some ways, we want to take care of that because it's, uh, we feel comfortable. We feel, thank God, we feel very comfortable doing it. We know what is real and we know what is not. And we can divide that very precisely. And that's very sane and healthy. Thank mm-hmm. God we have that. Uh, but at the same time, we don't want to look like we are doing it as, an, as a formula. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Like, uh, and we've done, recently we've done like two in a row and it's like, hey, wait, 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 let's stop for a second because because uh, this is, it looks like we are looking for it or asking for it. And it's not that at all, it's quite the opposite.
0: Everybody knows he's spoken in Spanish. But the film was written mm-hmm. and directed by Iranian director Asghar Farhadi, uh, who's a master of mm-hmm. the human condition in terms of a director. Um, were there any challenges of him directing in a language that is not his own?
2: Well, yes, he was very... I mean, he, he loves to work and he loves to be realistic and he loves to... He has a great censor to what is fake and not true and not truth not truthful and it doesn't matter if it's coming from a foreign language or a foreign actor making a gesture or a reaction or or something on the set that doesn't look right he knows what does not work what what is not organic or 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 makes sense so he has that, and that goes beyond any language. Besides that, he yeah, he asked us for some help in terms of this line or the other, but most of it, well, most of it no, Everything, he wrote it himself after spending here one year. And on set, he speaks English. We could speak English, but when we got deep in the mud, he would speak Persian and I will speak Spanish because we need that in right. order to be more complex in what in the words we choose to to communicate. And we had these great interpreters that uh, mm. uh, they were turning every twenty four hours, two of them. That the word you could feel everybody feel felt felt that they were doing a great job on being precise and very uh, yeah precise like not sharing or not wasting anybody's time on making the message get across. And so we never felt lost in translation. Not only me or Penelope, never. Mm. Not the crew, not the technicians, which is a miracle. It's a miracle (laughs) because he was on his own in Spain uh, doing a movie in Spanish. And I, I tell you, as an Spaniard, is one of the most spanish movies i've ever seen
0: really the
2: wow the quality of yes yes not only said by me but said by by critics in this country the quality of the truth in those characters uh, in the habitat in the village in the manners in the way they speak in the atmosphere it's very very spanish way more spanish than many spanish movies that has been done this year so that's why he's as good as Wow. Um,
0: I, you know, now the last time I remember seeing you in a in a in a Spanish movie recently, I guess in the last decade, was beautiful, beautiful. Um. Yes. W- after that, you started doing Eat, Pray, Love, uh, Sons of the Cloud, Skyfall, To the Wonder, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. When you cross over into the English language movies, is there a desire for mm-hmm. you to get back to working in your own language?
2: Well, I would love to play in both languages and I wish I could learn more languages and new more languages so I could work in different languages. Like, Tel speaks five languages and she has oh, to work wow. in French, Italian, English, Spanish. And uh, so, uh, but I already know Spanish and a little bit of English. And <laughs> yes, of course, my English is way better than it was 10 years ago, let's say. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or almost 20 years ago when I did Before Night Falls with the great loving... Julian Snabel, what first a great movie. English movie. Let's say, yeah. Uh, my English is is better than that, but still, it's not my Spanish. So, of course, when I work in my own language, I can, I feel like I don't have any limits. Like I can imagine more, I can imagine deeper, I can go farther, I can question more the way I speak. In English, you have to. First of all, be understood. So you have to work on the pronunciation and on the lexic, on their, on the phonetics, and that's a machine that is working 24 hours while you're shooting in English. <laughs> so a very important part of the mind is working in a work that you're supposed to have with no mind at all. Right. You have to be free. You have to be, uh, yeah, like with no boundaries ready to fly but still there's a machine of consciousness working for you to for you to not fuck it up and that still is a big burden for me right
0: and then my last question is will you be at the Oscars and any thoughts on Alfonso Cuaron's Roma did you see it and uh, any opinions
2: yeah I'll be at the Oscars I, I I'll be honored to be there as a presenter I cannot tell you the 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 what I'm presenting for, because uh, they will sue me if I do so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I have the I have the luxury to saw to watch Roma in uh, in uh, in Lyon, France, film festival in this July. I think it was on a big screen. Wow! And I was blown away. And not only that, I had the luxury to have a chat with Alfonso afterwards.
0: Did you guys talk about working together? When is Javier Bardem and Alfonso wow. Cuarón going to work together?
2: Well, ask him. Um, every time I see him, it's like, when is that going to happen? He says, I don't know, cabrón.
0: Well, I, it, it would be a dream, Javier, for you to be working with Alfonso. Wow.
2: that would be my dream.
0: It's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for the interview. The, uh, the film is amazing. I think everybody should go see it. Everybody knows is currently in theaters right now. Muchísimas gracias, Javier.
2: Gracias. Thank you very much.
0: And before I begin my next interview with Mike Sargent, it's time for a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Diego Luna, Chef José Andres, and Javier Bardem are among the presenters at the Oscars this Sunday. Chris Hemsworth will play Hulk Hogan in a new movie. Captain Marvel passes Aquaman and Wonder Woman in ticket presales. And Pedro Almodóvar's new movie Dolor and Gloria debuts its first trailer starring Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz. In TV news, Eva Longoria has been tapped to direct and executive produce Brooke Shields in CW's new drama Glamorous. Puerto Rican actor Ramon Rodriguez joins NBC's pilot Prism in tele- Mundo NBC and CNN land first two Democratic debates. Switching over to music, J Balvin teams up with Selena Gomez for a new song, I Can't Get Enough. Pitbull's audiobook, From Negative to Positive, lands at Audible Latino, and Luis Fonsi and Ozuna hit number one on the Latin Airplay chart with "Imposible." And in tech and social media news, Instagram Stories is now being used by 500 million people daily. Jennifer Lopez joins TikTok app to promote World of Dance. Roku has grown its streaming video platform to 27 million accounts, and Spotify is going all in making a $500 million bet on podcasting by buying podcast network Gimlet and the podcast app Anchor. Welcome Mike Sargent to the Highly Relevant Podcast.
1: Uh, thank you, Jack Rico.
0: You can hear Mike on WBAI Radio New York. You can see him on PBS. You can see him on Yahoo Finance. You can see him on Fox News. Man, you are everywhere, my brother.
1: I Listen, you know, I just got a, a request today. To be on Turkish television what? to talk about this. Yeah, exactly. Where, how Wait. do they even find me? Wait, how do they find you, man? Dude, I have to Is it LinkedIn? I, pfft, I don't know. I am I have to, you know, I don't know. If I were I, you, I'd, I'd ask out of like pure I, curiosity. Yeah, hey, how know, did you find Because you know, I, I do I, that. I, I, yeah, I should. I should. I should uh yes yes i will actually Uh, you're making me want to look for it now but we're doing the show
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right mike so um thank you so much for being on the show uh the oscars are sunday why does the oscars not have a host this year
1: i don't think that it's nobody wants to host the oscars i think everybody wants to host the oscars but it's it's sort of in some ways it's a kind of gig like you have to be at a certain level for them to want you to host the Oscars. And in reality, that means that they need you more than you need them. You're not going to get it putting in Jimmy Kimmel. You're not going to get it putting in Whoopi Goldberg. You're not going to get it putting in uh, somebody you can see on TV every day. Who cares? Okay. You're going to have to get somebody that people have that has a huge following that people pay to see. That that has it that is has huge social media presence and influence that people will watch just to see what they do. The Rock. Now, well, again, he'd be clearly a good choice. He'd be uh, a good choice. Chris he, Rock again, but but you, know, you see. But here's the thing. Dave Chappelle. Mm, Dave Chappelle. Yes and no. But here's the thing. They also want somebody who plays to a younger audience. The Oscars the people who watch the Oscars are the people who still watch network TV. Really, Mike? I think so. I mean, you look at the numbers for the Oscars over the years and you look at the numbers for network TV over the years, <clears throat> I'd say they decline very similarly. And what I'm saying is what the Oscars wants to do, just like everybody else, just like all these other award shows, they want, they want to be relevant.
0: Well, I have a theory on why no one wants to host the Oscars, Mike. Talk um, to me. And I think it's it's what happened to Kevin Hart. It's a cautionary tale that once you're announced as the host of the Oscars, every single journalist is going to look through your Twitter feed and find the problem with you so they can expose it, exploit it, get clickbait, and get a viral moment out of it. And no one wants to be put in that position because the problem is when everything was cool, Someone at some point when they were 11, when they were six, they must have looked at a woman wrong. They must have said something uh, in a moment of immaturity uh, in college. Look what happened with Kavanaugh. Um, it's, it's, they are dredging up stuff from 20, 30 years ago, judging you today and ruining and destroying your career. So who wants to put themselves through that position? Because in your head, you can't recollect every single moment every single conversation every single glance for the last 40 50 years of your life you can't you just can't it's impossible to do that and so when somebody spends their time just trying to get you it's not fun
1: but does that mean if 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 your theory is correct uh and so in the short term they can find anybody do you think That they're never going to have a host again? Is that what you think we're headed towards? A hostless Oscars forever?
0: No, because I think the climate will change. At some point, things are going to get softened up a little bit. I think that Time's Up and Me Too movement probably did... Probably the peak of their moment was already already happened in the last two years, you know. Um, and I think things will soften up. I think the political correctness of our country will dissipate slightly and go back to normal. I'm not saying people are going to be jerks again and men are going to start harassing women again. Um, but to 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 say that 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 this is normal, the way we're living in, I think is also a stretch. So I think there's going to be a change in the way we look at it. Or here's another thing: they might just continue not having a host. Because why do you really need a host, Mike?
1: Well, I think a master of ceremonies uh, is is a good thing. I think a good host. You know, you have been a host. I have been a host. Uh, you've hosted events, Q and As. You've hosted. It's your very hard stuff. to do. It, it is. I, you have to be I've, a
0: comedian to be a master of ceremonies, in my opinion. I, I well, don't have that comedic bone in me. And every time I do these, I'm just like, by the book. All
1: right. I don't know that I'm more of a comedian than you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've done these things and, and I get it. And, and, you know, and I definitely have friends who are comedians. And I think there is definitely a, a, a skill to being able to hold an audience. To know how to I think a comedian's the perfect person. That's why there have been so many. Bob Hope's and 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 uh Whoopi Goldbergs and 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 Billy Crystals. I think a comedian is the perfect type of host for the Oscars. You need somebody that's quick on their feet. You need to, that's the perfect master of ceremonies. And I think it adds to the show. If you've got a great comedian uh hosting, then you're gonna have a great show. Because no matter what happens, that comedian knows how to ter- turn lemons uh uh, uh into lemonade. And and t- turn a, a a bad situation into to a win, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and and again, if if they're really involved, I also think the reason is not so much the scrutiny. I think if anybody that would want to do it at this point would want to make it theirs, you know. So if you're going to do it, you need a couple of months. Like Jimmy Kimmel had little bits and things he was had going on, and and that's that's the way to do it. Make the Oscars your. Make it your Oscar show. Make it entertaining for everybody.
0: So last year, 2018, uh the Oscars suffered along with Jimmy Kimmel the lowest ratings yep. of all time. Uh yep. 26.5 million. How do you fix the ratings? Everybody's been saying, how do you fix the Oscar so it can be shorter, uh, it can be stronger? And
1: we can see an increase in ratings. The Oscars needs a certain amount of controversy. They need a certain amount we of We have stuff,
0: controversies
1: this year. Looks Green say, Book it, is,
0: it, a, is the perfect controversy.
1: Bohemian it is, Rhapsody
0: but is a controversy.
1: I think that uh, this year's Oscars probably will be watched because you have all the Avengers and because, you know, it's different and because it's hostless and because there's talk. And I think, you know, Jimmy Kimmel... Ratings were low because Jimmy Kimmel appeals to a niche, you know, a certain only a certain amount of people actually give a shit about Jimmy Kimmel. Right. And Jimmy Kimmel is not exactly what you'd call hip.
0: But wait a minute. I no, w- okay, I, I, I get that. But why not Stephen Colbert,
1: man? Well, Stephen, what does Stephen Colbert? You know, Pol- first, of all,
0: Politics, which is an extremely hot topic. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But, but everything but you, is political now. I'll tell you, you can't do a, a Stephen Colbert because CBS. Okay. Well, not just CBS and his contract and all of that stuff, but if you put on, you know, Bill Maher, how come he didn't do the Oscars? Because you can't put on somebody who's got specific political views because then that distracts and takes away from the night. You don't want it to become a political night. You want it to be about the movies. So you got to have somebody. And again, it's, it's an interesting uh, order. You got to have somebody who's got a following, who's funny, who's quick on their feet, who knows how to hold an audience, who's hip, who people you know go pay to go see people would pay to hear what they had to say you know people love them they're, they're well liked they're, they're, they're appealing you know that that's not an easy thing to find every year what about jamie fox jamie fox don't need to do no damn oscars but he, and he's he doesn't he's not a sure thing he doesn't do concerts like like the, like the that. He's not doing comedy concerts anymore. He's not doing music concerts like that he's anymore. He's hosting a TV show. I mean, he, you know, I'm sure this. He's got the chops. There are a lot of people with chops. You know who I think should be hosting the Oscars this year? Okay. And bringing everybody else out. It should be Robert Downey Jr. It's like. Oh, my have... God. I was going to say that earlier in he's the show. The pre- he's perfect. He, Robert Downey yeah. Jr. could
0: do this in his but, sleep. But, but again, I think the problem with Robert Downey is he doesn't need to do
1: this. Well, he doesn't need to do it, and he could give a crap if you go with his background. He could give a crap. He's like, yeah, whatever. I've been there. So so give
0: me your three ideas that you would do to improve the Oscars.
1: Well, one, I, I think that that you have act one hosted by one person, act two hosted by another person, act three hosted by another person. You have three acts three different takes on how the oscars could be done every it keeps it fresh it's a program you know what you're going to get for the first 90 minutes second 90 minutes third 90 minutes you know what i'm saying okay you know you you um, know what you're going to tune into okay and and that way you're trying stuff out that next thing lose all these stupid production numbers who cares okay keep it about the films okay i i'll be honest with you be honest with you i don't even watch the oscars okay i look at the the, the things the next day I, listen. no way why dude i, I, I can't sit that you, through that shit what, what is it that you that.
0: don't no fucking way. what is it that you don't like
1: okay first of all okay if we get to a prediction part here how many surprises are there okay all right so there's no suspense for me there's no suspense okay second of all uh, you know, I, I don't watch TV. Period. That that's just been my thing for many years. So that's a whole other conversation. Stop. Here's Mike at the Oscars. <laughs> <I> did, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't say. I'm just saying that that to me, uh, for from a professional standpoint, of course, I need to know what happened but I usually can just watch everything the next day anything that was great that I missed like oh they did a Shatner right, tribute right. that Star Trek I'll watch that on YouTube it's the
0: convenience of being able to be more efficient with your time and at the Absolutely. same time catch up just in the on highlights everything. exactly right. but that's the problem we've become a highlight society well, I was going to so get with, there so with I was sports say, with entertainment with late night shows nobody watches but, late night shows anymore they watch the clips dude, on YouTube the next,
1: dude, the next day that's the hashtag right there the highlight Society, the highlight society. All hey, right. Well, um, yes, I'm with you. Hashtag highlights, highlight society.
0: So here's yes. my opinion on what we should do to improve the Oscars. One, get rid of the host. I actually agree with that. If you want to be more efficient with your time, because a lot of the jokes after the opening are, for the most part, pretty terrible, and they're hokey and jokey and campy, oh, and it's a waste sure. of t- what Ellen DeGeneres waste and Jimmy Kimmel did. Uh, the the hijack of the Oscars to do their their corny bits that took forever for a punchline. Um, I think that wastes time, right? I so, agree. Well, I, I agree with you. Here's the way the show should open: commercial. Uh, uh, show begins at 8 p.m. They walk out. Best actor right off the bat, or best director right off the bat. Don't leave. Take one that's supposed to be at the end and move it to the top. That way, it sets the tone like, wow, they're starting off with best director right off the bat. Whoa, man. Uh, And then have strong musical performances, five musical performances, if you can, um, of each best song, right? I'm with that. I'm with the musical performances. Shave it down to two hours. Make everything strong, and maybe you could have some
1: it, musical be numbers it, or something it'll like that. Be, it'll still be three hours. Okay, three hours. But change it. You could shave it down to two hours if you got rid of multiple sponsors and got one big sponsor for the whole thing.
0: Ooh, that's
1: interesting. Presented saying, by yes.
0: It'll be yes. exclusive, exclusively, exclusively used for the whole night. Amazon. Exactly,
1: Amazon. Exactly, Apple sponsors Apple, the Oscars. Right, right, exactly. Or, or two, just two or three companies. And that's it. The
0: other thing is, why not make the Oscars a little bit more popular? I never fully understood why the best popular category was so completely misunderstood
1: by so many people. I don't think it was misunderstood. I think that, I, people that, hated it. Well, I, I think it. I and I agree. People should have hated it. But especially why? When, well, because it was bad timing. Okay, and and what does it really mean?
0: Here's what it means to me, man. It means to me the best popular category says, okay, the Oscars are an art house award show. They get Moonlight is an art house indie
1: film. Uh, Dude, I agree with you in terms of often what wins, not always, is is art house, and often what's nominated is art house. But what was the last time a blockbuster film
0: won Best Picture, Mike? All right, hold on. (laughs) <laughs> but but you can't get it right off the top of your head because it doesn't exist. Titanic, Titanic. Okay, Titanic. The majority of moviegoers in the United States and across the world go to event films. The tentpole epic event films. 3D, IMAX, superhero <laughs> films. That's what they go to. For those films to be excluded when it comes to celebrating film, I think is an outrage.
1: I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And so but I, I think, think
0: they should fit them in. And if th- it doesn't, if they don't want to fit it in into the best picture category,
1: then fit them into the best blockbuster
0: category.
1: I disagree 100% and I'll why? tell you why. Why? Because that is st- that's not letting it in. That's creating a new category to say, okay, you're not good enough to be the best, but oh, you were the most popular. Oh, bravo for you. That's bullshit. That's a bullshit category, and it doesn't mean anything. You've already won because you won at the box office. You don't need to win an award saying, hey, you won at the box office. It's redundant, okay? Okay, so why don't
0: we change the criteria of the way films are made? For example, in music, they take all the sales from CDs, streams, YouTube videos, to find out who the winner is because they're not just looking at it from a quality perspective, they're also looking at it from a business financial perspective of which movie made the most amount, which lets you know which movie was the most liked by the people
1: that are watching I, the Oscars. I, I agree, but again, it's not the people who vote for the Oscars. So it doesn't really matter what's popular. I, I, I don't even get into the popular, popular. There's the People's Choice Awards for that. Okay, and there's the box office for that. But I, I,
0: what... think, I think the people should have Say, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Don't think you it think matters. the no,
1: no? Mike, that's why would it matter? I'm it's the one. I'm, I'm the
0: one spending the money to
1: go see Dude. a movie. I'm the Dude. one dictating what I like and what I don't Dude. like. Then listen. Then don't watch the Oscars, okay? Because oh, because because to me, the Oscars is not about what people think is the best. It's about what the members of the Academy think is the best. Let's so, be but, real.
0: But it's a club, then. It's a club. Then, then, oh, then they're all not- clubs. The Golden Globes is a
1: club. The Academy Awards is a club. club,
0: Mike. And listen, it should all be the clubs- open to the public to That's vote. A different Why did you let
1: thing. the public vote? That's the public. Don't vote in the Oscars, you fool. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, but here's what I'm saying. The whole point, the whole point of expanding the Oscars to 10 films was to be more inclusive for those films that not just the art house films. The fact that there's room for 10, that they only chose eight, and there are two films that we mentioned that easily could have been nominated is really the travesty. It's like, okay, why have 10 if you're not going to put 10 in there?
0: All right, Mike, let's move on to the predictions. Let's begin with Best Picture. Uh, can
1: you go through the top eight? Sure. The the eight that are nominated is Black Panther. That's, uh, you know, the superhero movie. Black Klansman, the Spike Lee film. Bohemian Rhapsody, that's the queen biopic. The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, that's the Alfonso Cuaron film. A Star is Born, everybody knows about that. And Vice, which is sort of like the dark horse I like Green
0: Book, but it's not even in my top 10 personal films of 2018. And this movie carries a lot of controversies, Mike. Do you want to go through the controversies that Green Book and why people are outraged that the movie was nominated for Best Pick?
1: First of all, I do want to say that I know I may get my black card uh, revoked, but I really, <laughs> I, I loved Green Book. Uh, I loved it for what it was. I, I think part of the controversy uh, from the family um, and, uh, uh, and from black folks and especially black critics who who really, Really, really hated the film. They hated it because they felt it fell into the territory of Driving Miss Daisy.
0: The Root said that it spoon-feeds racism to white people. That, I mean, that's pretty harsh. Also, the movie, like you said, I think people wanted to see a reversal role between maybe the black man saving the white man as opposed to the white man always saving the black man in the film. Well, but
1: I don't feel that the white man really does save... Him, I think they save each other. I think they save right. each other's humanity. The the white man needed uh, a spiritual awakening. He he had a lot of things wrong with him. Right. Okay. And knowing him, cha- knowing him, he didn't have to take. He took a different kind of action in his life. And I think that that's what the film was about. And in terms of spoon feeding white people racism, you know what? That's how you have to feed racism to white people. You have to spoon feed it to them for them to even get what it is, to get what the history is, to get the impact of. Okay, it. but but you're essentially saying that they had to dumb it down. No, For white people. I'm not saying I'm so not they can saying understand they have to what racism it. is. Dude, I'm not saying you have to dumb it down, but let's be realistic, okay? Let's be totally realistic here. We're going to talk about racism. We're going to talk about white people, talk about the relations between black and white people. Okay, here's the deal. No white people, okay, or am black people, the reason black historical dramas don't do well traditionally is because they're difficult to watch. Twelve Years a Slave is a hard film to watch. Birth
0: of a Nation was a hard film to watch too. Birth of
1: a film. All these films are hard films to watch. Now they're hard for you to watch if you're a black person and you go, oh my god, you know, look at look at what's happening to people who are portraying me on screen. It's horrible. A lot of black people don't even want to see that. Okay, white people, how can you look at that and not feel something? W- white knowing- guilt, man.
0: At that well, moment, you start feeling.
1: Uh, I mean, look. I don't even think. I don't think. Believe in white guilt. I call it shame. It's white shame. How can you not look at that and be ashamed of what what people that that look like you have done to? people that look like me so point being okay if you want to talk about it okay remember green book is a comedy okay and a comedy that deals with race and and the south and racism and 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 all the issues that come up in green book and friendship and this and that there are all these things that come up in green book that that are framed as a comedy that are centered around a real life experience and in my opinion it's pretty great Right. That's what I think. It I, it worked for me. Okay. Now, this is not a movie for black people. This is a movie for white people. Mm, That's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. And, I've and, never
0: heard it like that, but you know what? I think you might actually have a point. I, I'm i certain I do because most the, films are. Right. It's produced by a white guy. It's uh, directed written by, by a Peter Farrelly. It's written right. by a white guy. So, right. yeah, you the know son, what?
1: The son of the guy. Yes.
0: Moving on to... Let's you know what. Let's just talk about the best supporting role. Uh, Mahershala Ali is the front runner for this. Uh, do I think he should win? No, I actually think Richard E. Grant should win. Once Richard again, E.
1: Grant. Richard E.
0: Grant. He should win best supporting actor. Absolutely. I love Mahershala Ali's performance. Absolutely. But there was a magic Absolutely. that Richard E. Grant brought. The fact that 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 this guy is in the lock to win because of his charm, because of those. Final moments where he receives some news that changes Mm. his demeanor Mm -hmm. Um, and the ability to hold the screen when he's on it and to give Melissa McCarthy a run for her money. And she was outstanding in that film.
1: She was deep in character. Holy
0: cow. So the fact that people are saying Mahershala Ali should win, he already won an Oscar. But I think Richard E. Grant should win it.
1: Uh, I think Richard E. Grant should win it, and I think he will win it, I will tell you. Oh, really? Okay. First of all, how can you put um, Adam Driver... For Black Klansman yeah, next, yeah. how you how do you even put that performance? Mahershala Ali and Richard E. Grant. Okay, I will give Mahershala Ali. He's great, but I, I I'll be honest, Mahershala Ali could do that role in his sleep. Yeah, that was not that much of a stretch for him, but he I was agree. he was he was brilliant. Adam Driver, get the hell out of here. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's great. Adam Driver could, looked like he phoned in his performance. He did, he did. What did he do? I couldn't even tell you the name of his character. Sam <laughs> Elliott, in my opinion, I mean, I love Sam Elliott. But Sam Elliott, really, all he had to do is be Sam Elliott. Nah, man. Know? Sam I,
0: Elliott I, I, gave such an understated emotional But he always does. He's great. He's a great actor. Okay, Come but on. within this film, it fit bigger than ever.
1: Dude, I think it was good. I don't think that it was Oscar worthy. I okay. think it was, or, or let's put it this way. I don't think it was much of a stretch for him.
0: Uh, let's go to actor in a leading role. You got Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, Viggo Mortensen in Green Green Book. to me Rami Malek should win this uh, easy for a movie that wasn't even supposed to sniff a hundred million dollars it was a movie that was just made to kind of cater to fans and all of a sudden became a viral hit because of the music and of the performance Rami Malek if he wasn't in this movie this movie would not be the success it is under anyone else. He was chosen, he was born to play this role. Killed it. I've seen that movie about 5 times just to see Rami Malek. I have not felt that for either Christian Bale, Bradley Willem or Vigo. So to me, magic. Bringing a new energy, a new air to a performance of a guy. I mean, you want to talk about a stretch, Mr. Robot to this guy?
1: He takes it. I thought Vigo was really good in Green Book, but you know, I think Vigo's just somewhat underrated actor. Uh, I, I think. I think. Again, I don't think it was that much of a stretch for him. Uh, I what think about Bradley, Bradley? Bradley. I mean, I'm sorry. Bradley was doing Sam Elliott. <laughs> oh, come on. So
0: were you going to knock him for being inspired by no, someone I, else?
1: I, I don't think he was inspired. I think he was doing Sam Elliott throughout wow, the movie okay. and I thought it was too on the nose as a matter of fact because he even has a line where Sam Elliott goes oh, you took my voice and it's like yeah he took your voice he's been talking like you throughout the whole movie <laughs> now, I like Bradley Cooper and I think he's hes a. Gr- we all know he's a great mimic Okay, he can do a fantastic Christopher Walken, and and we and he does this character he does in Gardens of the Galaxy. You would have no idea that that's Bradley Cooper. So he knows how to use his voice. He, he knows his instrument, and he to me, it was just a little too on the nose.
0: All right, actress in a leading role: Yelitza Parisio for Roma, Glenn Close the wife, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born, and Melissa McCarthy. Can you ever
1: forgive me? Who do you have here? I think Glenn Close is going to win. Why? Okay. Uh did you see The Wife?
0: Uh, yep, I saw it. it the, so for those of you that haven't, let me tell you, one of my favorite films of the year. Uh She's, top 20, yeah. top 20, top 25 films. Definitely. Uh this is a movie that I loved because it was a story and it was like the intricate details, like almost a granular level detail depiction of a writer who's about to win a Nobel Prize. And it's The Wife who did most of the work to get him to that place and how she has to hold back and almost surrender her identity in front of a man because the man needs to get all the credit, not the woman. And it creates this extremely powerful storyline for Glenn Close's character as the wife. And that's why the movie's called The Wife.
1: I think you're dead on with your synopsis of the film and her performance in it. (laughs) I think that one of the things that Oscars does is that if you've been doing great work a long time, been nominated a long time, at some point... She's owed. She's due, yes. So I think she's due.
0: Yalitza Paricio. I've been having, as a Latino that wants to support Latino talent... I want, I'm glad that she's here, and I'm glad that we're talking about her. The fact that she's indigenous and she opened up those conversations about indigenous casting and the irrelevance that indigenous faces had throughout history and media, uh, the fact that, that indigenous people are getting their due is more of the bigger picture of her nomination. Do I believe that she should have been nominated? No. But again, I think it's one of those choices to kind of shock people, to kind of make a statement from the voters— um, and to include different faces. I, I think if this, there's ever a moment, this is it.
1: I think she should have been nominated for all the reasons that she was. Do I think, I, and I probably, she needs if to win. It would probably do more for her than anybody else uh, in this list uh, who don't necessarily need the Oscar. Uh, but uh, I don't think she will win, but I do think she deserved it. Uh, now, what am I taking us through? Best? Best
0: director. We got Black Klansman from Spike Lee. Cold War from Powell Pawlikowski, The Favorite with Yorgos Lanthimos, Roma, Alfonso Cuaron, and Vice, Adam McKay. A lot of Europeans. Mike, who was the best director of
1: 2018? You know, that's an interesting question because I think what I, I... uh, let me let me just go through it a little bit. I think this is definitely the best thing Spike Lee's done in like 10, fifteen years. Uh, and it's not easy material to to do and it's it's not something I do feel Spike is due.
0: Here's the problem I have with what you're telling me, man, that Spike Lee could win this because he's due. uh, the Glenn Close is due. So what is the Oscars then, man? Is this like, hey, man, anybody who's been due, please step up to the line. We'll give you the award right here, and we won't really define you for your performance. We're just going to define you over the snubs uh, we've had throughout the last 20 hello, years.
1: Hello, scent of a woman. Hello. I
0: know. And, 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 but, but but you just mentioned two of them back-to-back, Glenn Close and Spike Lee getting awards because they're due. Every year it happens. It happens every year. But it shouldn't, man. And and this is what's starting to kind of get on my nerves. This do. We're here to celebrate the best of the best of the year. If you're going to give out awards because they're due to them, then we shouldn't have a ceremony, man. I think Alfonso Cuaron is the best director of 2018. I think he's proven it. Every director has asked him, how have you done? Spike Lee went, how did you do that shot?
1: The one in the sea, the one in the beach. How did you do it? Uh, I can't really did, did I can't really argue that. Uh, I I think probably it, it, he's probably who deserves it. Uh, though uh, I I feel Spike might win because he's due. That's that's my only. <laughs> right. That's that's you know I stand with that. All right, so let's move on to animated best animated yes, feature film. Yes,
0: I can't wait to talk about this because I think that this particular category is one of the most toughest choices of all the categories in this year?
1: Well, I have to say, these are five really good films. Uh, Incredibles 2, which is the sequel to The Incredibles, which is easily as good as the first one. Isle of Dogs, which I loved. I've seen it twice. I loved it. I I loved it. I I was so surprised because I had no expectations. I really didn't even want to see it. Uh, But it's probably now my favorite Wes Anderson film. Wow, Uh, look at that. But Mirai... Uh, which is the Japanese film? Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh, the sequel to uh, Wreck It Ralph, and Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, which is really a beautiful, well done, you know, again, groundbreaking film in terms of the genre and animation and not looking like any of these other films do.
0: So here's what I've been hearing. And this is just the noise from the press, from the outlets, from Twitter, from social media, from colleagues leaving comments. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man film ever made. And according to many, the best superhero movie ever made. Not live action, but I guess they're including live action and animation altogether. I was shocked at that. Um, They're also saying is that you just got to watch it. There is nothing wrong with this film. This film is beyond what it is and it should be nominated for Best Picture of the Year. Is that what? exaggeration, or is yes, this... Yes,
1: that, that is hyperbole. Yes, it is. Oh, hyperbole. Okay. I have not have...
0: seen the film, by the way. I just haven't okay, had a chance right. to well, see it. Well,
1: let me say this. It's great. It's great. It's, it, you like it much more than you thought you would. It completely works. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't hit a false note. Uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: Uh, that's Mike Sargent. You can catch him on WBAI Radio, watch him on Fox News. You can watch him on PBS, and you can watch him on Yahoo Finance. The man is all over the place. Uh, yes, Mike.
1: Mike, Mike on Screen. That's where you can find me.
0: And you can catch him on social media, on, on, at Mike on Screen. All right, Mike, take it easy, buddy. Thanks, man. That's it for episode 105 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Javier Bardem and Mike Sargent for joining me, and I hope you guys enjoyed the discussions as well. If you'd like to support the show, please help spread the word on social media and tell all your friends about it. You can reach me on Twitter at Jack Rico Official and on Instagram at JackRico. Also, remember to tune in this Saturday morning at 11 a.m. for a brand new episode of Consumer 101 on NBC. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of highly relevant.